Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this particular episode is one of our deep dives we're going to be diving deep into the clone wars the 2d vintage micro series the clone wars that gets more and more words added to the way you can describe it all the time uh, i'm joseph scripshaw 
I'm Ken Napsuck, ready to take this look back. And yes, uh, it's a retitled past. That's that's the way Star Wars can be sometimes, right? <laughs> it Star really Wars, is, yeah. Or New Hope fans. <laughs> yeah, this one has a special edition title now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is going to be a lot of fun here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we always want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcehunter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week we are recommending Rebel Rising by Beth Revis. It is a great story of Jen's life. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, please download your free audiobook today. You can go to audibletrial.com slash forcehunter. Again, that's audibletrial.com. Dot com slash force center for your free audio book and can we have another offer we do indeed inside editions publisher of a ton of great star wars books is offering 35 percent off across their website with a special force center code to get your discount enter the coupon code fc35 fc35 or visit the website with this link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 this week we're recommending the inside editions book star wars galactic baking it's coming out may 4th has a lot of wonderful star wars inspired recipes for you to turn your home into the star wars galaxy so check it all out with that code fc35 yeah i like that idea that you can turn your kitchen into a galaxy far (laughs) far away (laughs) bye Eating uh, some of the creatures in it. (laughs) Turn your kitchen into Maz's castle. Fiery, fiery mess. That's what I'll be doing when I try to do some Star Wars Galactic Baking. Anyway, uh, we're going to get into this. We are discussing uh, the Volume 1 of Clone Wars. So I wanted to start out with some background info uh, because I think, as you and I were discussing off-air, we knew some of this. We didn't know uh, some of this other stuff. Uh, It was just added to Disney+. Plus. Uh, part of their vintage collection is uh, what they are now describing is the 2D Clone Wars micro series by Gendy Tartakovsky. Uh, here is some background information on what this is. Uh, I think there's some people who probably grew up with this or some people who our age who really watched it when it came out. And maybe there's even some fans who are just discovering this uh, now on Disney+. Plus. So here is the background info from Wikipedia. In the early 2000s, (laughs) I'm reading this like it's a storybook. In the early 2000s, Hasbro asked Lucasfilm to develop something between the prequel films, which they hoped would boost action figure sales and help promote the upcoming Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith. Cartoon Network, who had previously worked with Hasbro on the Transformers series, suggested Gendy Tartakovsky, who was finishing work on the animated series Samurai Jack. Lucasfilm met with Tartakovsky, who agreed to the project if the shorts could be extended from the original proposed one-minute runtime up to three to five minutes. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars then ran on Cartoon Network from November 7th, 2003 to March 25th, 2005, my wife's birthday, the year we started dating. Amazing. Wow. Uh, That was not on Wikipedia. Uh, that was a personal entry. Uh, <laughs> the episodes were released simultaneously on television and online for members of the Hyperspace Fan Club. They were available the next day on CartoonNetwork.com and on StarWars.com for non-Hyperspace members. Uh, like I said, Volume 1 on Disney Plus is just been added as well as Volume 2. But Volume 1 is a collection of the 10 episodes of Season 1 and the 10 episodes of Season 2 all edited together. Ken, does that all make sense? Do you have any questions about the the backstory? Uh, it all makes sense. And I 
you know, I love that uh, kind of this is a toy book series, you know, just like my favorite comic books in the 80s were to sell me toys. And that this started from, hey, let's sell some toys. Let's do that. You know, and it worked because I bought some of these toys that they put out specifically for this line. Um, yeah. So let's get into this. Uh, we're going to talk, as we often do, about our own experience uh, back in the day. And then we'll go on to our experience in the current day, rewatching these on Disney+. Plus. So did you watch these individual episodes as they came out? And what was your reaction back then? I did, but they were hard to find in a way. And it's funny, I'm listening, you know, listening to you explain where you could find them <laughs> in television <laughs> and this thing called online. Now, a joke, but the internet was a few years into being a thing that we went to daily. No doubt about it. I was on Friendster by this point. I was switching to MySpace. I, I was hip kids, I swear. But I didn't, I didn't do the hyperspace fan club stuff. Um, CartoonNetwork.com. No, I'm going to watch it on my TV. I come on, me and my roommates gathering around the TV watching this stuff. So I did, but I didn't, I don't recall sitting down to like, oh, it's on. I got to watch this. So I was like, I I'll find it. It'll pop up at some point. I'm a huge Star Wars fan at this point and always have been, but it just, it just was, it just, it will get into why I just isn't, wasn't super excited for it. Now, also the thing, and I mentioned this before, it, it is almost nothing to do with the story, but everything to do with the story for me personally. Uh, my old roommates at the time were close friends. They're CalArts folks. Uh, two of them at the time were working in industry. One was helping to design and create Invader Zim and had been doing that for a couple of years at Nickelodeon. The other one, uh, my friend Casey was working at SpongeBob, a cartoon network. So I was clued into these coming out. Like yeah. I was aware that um um they didn't work with with tartakovsky directly but i think they knew him you know it was a weird time that's why i'm always I've, i i called one of my friends recently was like did you know dave filoni back then because you were literally <laughs> in the next office and he kind of remembers him it's a it's a weird time so i i just i was excited in a way that oh some animated stuff and my roommates were excited that star wars fans and the prequels affected them maybe uh differently than i did than it did me even at the time when i was struggling with them they did not like them so um, it was a weird, there was an anticipation in my house. I just, when the day came this November 7th, 2003, I didn't sit down to watch. Okay. So you, you were not ready. You were not there. I, it was, I was like, I'll find it. And I think I watched it the weekend or, so, you know, I can't remember how I, I did watch them during their first run, but it wasn't like it's Friday at 10 PM because they're a little harder to find. And this was a, a little bit of a different age of information. Yes, it, it was totally a long time ago in the uh, the entertainment uh, industry and the way that we absorb things. It was yep. on the internet. It's so weird. Uh, so you did get to see them eventually. You watched them on your television. What did you think back in the day? Did you love them? Were you unsure about them? What was your initial reaction? I I, I did I did enjoy it. No, I, I did enjoy it. Let me start there. Um, be <sighs> Because they were so hard to find, I just, I, I had a disconnect and I've, we've talked about this when talking about the, the, the Clone Wars animated series that followed. And then again, it springs up when Disney Plus says, hey, we're going to start doing Star Wars TV shows. There's just part of my soldiers goes, uh, Star Wars is in the movies. And I always fight through that. And I always enjoy it. So there, this was definitely, I mean, you know, again, my last real memory is uh, droids or Ewoks or <laughs> Ewok movies, <laughs> ironically now in the same uh, bucket of uh, Disney Plus vintage. So I did enjoy them, and uh, that's kind of uh, that's kind of where I'll start the journey. Right, but I, I think what I hear you saying is they're bite-sized television things, and Star Wars to you is an epic adventure on the big screen at that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, this is a I had I had a quite a, a journey. I think in a in a good way. Um, 
I remember setting up, now this would have been a year earlier in 2002, mm-hmm. uh, moved in with my girlfriend at the time and, uh, the, the kitchen area, a little side off the kitchen, had in a built-in uh, little desk area that was meant for, like, you know, eating and drinking. But I put my computer there. <laughs> sure. And, uh, and it was the first time I had internet at home. And it was one of those, like, back in the day, it was such a pain to set up. It took me literally, like, eight hours or something. And the first thing I did uh, was went to StarWars.com. And I remember, like, in the magic of my home, there it is. There's there's an image. <laughs> Yeah, advertising Attack of the Clones, and I spent so much time in that nook uh, writing, and I and I looked at StarWars.com every day, literally, just in case there was something. And I was a member of the hyperspace uh, club back then, mm-hmm. um, so I really viscerally remember sitting in that little desk office, uh, going, "Okay, I, I don't have cable, so if it was just on Cartoon Network, I couldn't see them, but it's going to be on the internet, and I'm going to see them." And my internet was real bad, uh, <laughs> yeah. so. Those episodes were three minutes, and it probably took me twelve minutes to watch everyone. Yep, <laughs> because it would stop and it would buffer, and it was still an absolutely amazing experience. Um, and I think what was amazing to me about it is those uh, these micro episodes. We're going to talk a bunch about them, but they're so full of action. They're so full of the Jedi being at the utter height of their power. Mm. They were, we got to see a little bit of a bunch of Jedi in action in Attack of the Clones. I mean, we got to see a lot with the whole arena, but it wasn't at that same level of the years of imagination of imagine uh, all these Jedi as powerful as Luke Skywalker just waving their hands and throwing everything around with the Force. And um, there was a little bit of that in the prequels up to that point. But I think for me back in the day, these, uh, this micro series was what I was dreaming of seeing the Jedi do dreaming mm-hmm. of seeing them be uh, super cool, super badass. And again, going back to the criticism of the prequels at the time, there was less humor. There was more action. There was more, wow, the Jedi are amazing. So at the time I thought they were really, really great. Um, I still think they're great, but it's a different ad- adventure now. But back in the day, I, I loved them. Yeah, um, as we'll discuss, there's definitely things that, that were, were got me excited. Absolutely. So, did they uh, increase your excitement for Revenge of the Sith? Um, they were obviously intended, as we know from Wikipedia, to help sell some toys. That worked on me. I absolutely bought these action figures, uh, mm-hmm. and they did stoke my excitement uh, for Revenge of the Sith and what kind of huge Jedi action we'd see in that movie. Did you buy the toys? Did it get you excited for Revenge of the Sith? I did not buy the toys. Uh, there was also an era where I don't recall. I don't think I was buying a lot of toys there following the Phantom Menace explosion. Um, yeah. Not even Star Wars. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll say, did, did these get, get me excited for Revenge of the Sith? Mildly so. And even though I just said, hey, there's some exciting things in there that got me excited. I I was already there. I, there was This is, you know, and it seems like a cheap answer, right? But no, nah, I, I, I'm always pretty excited for the next Star Wars story. And even though episode one and two, maybe it, it confused me a little bit or I didn't enjoy them as much. And, you know, two's got some stuff in there that I still to this day go, yeah, the 3PO. Um, I, I, I was already excited. I was already counting down the days for Avengers of Sith. I already couldn't um, um, wait for it. So this just helped. That makes sense. But also, I will admit, I'm, I'm, I'm out 
again, unsure of the material outside of the movies. I hadn't read Legends. I hadn't read any uh, Karen Travis books and would not be reading any Karen Travis books. Not, not disrespect the Karen Travis because I know those books inspire a lot of fans. I just didn't do it. None of the comics. So I was just waiting for the movie. And these were kind of one another one of those things where we're just like, cool, it ain't the movie. Wait for the movie. <laughs> right. So you were waiting for just like a huge uh, steak dinner. And these were some uh, a, a handful of tater tots that you got. Yes. <laughs> to tide you over. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Um, yep. Yeah, I think they did increase my excitement for Revenge of the Sith. And, and we'll revisit this conversation more when we talk volume two, which, you yes. know, just really sets up the events of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, but even for these uh, first two seasons uh, that comprise volume one on Disney Plus, uh, I think they really got me excited for the potential or really, you know, teased uh, Anakin's fall with that huge fight with Asajj and really playing with the Anakin's going to go to the dark side, which we all know, but really kind of getting a little bit more menacing and foreboding about that uh, than we even mm-hmm. saw in Attack of the Clones. Uh, obviously, we see him, you know, kill the Tusken Raiders and and rant about it so that's pretty scary but this was different with the rain and the red sky and all that Uh um but the grievous thing was like it put grievous over so strong like almost i think uh from some of my fan group discussions back in the day almost too strong to make him so incredibly uh terrifying and unstoppable that it did get me really excited for revenge of the sith and i did have to do that like oh okay well you know Grievous has got to be taken down. He can't spend the whole movie like he did the uh, animated series. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's not room for him to slaughter Jedi constantly in this film. Uh, But it did, it did get me really pumped and it did really do its job of getting me excited for the potential of the clone wars and and the war in action I was going to see in Revenge of the Sith. Right. So let's jump now to the present. Uh, We go on a a very long journey since 2003, 2004, when we were seeing these volume one episodes, uh, sitting down to rewatch them now after years of uh, talking Star Wars, years of doing this podcast. Right now, we're really intimately um, rewatching the Clone Wars animated series, the 3D series, uh, to do breakdowns of every single episode. So that, I think, I'm sure affects how we look at them. What is your overall reaction to watching them now and how much is it affected by your relationship to 3D Clone Wars? Yeah, um, I'm trying to be honest here and 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 and, and check myself because I, I in starting to watch these um, other than the fun and there's some great stuff that phrase we said we'd be using a lot on Tuesday's show sense memories came rushing back and that was a lot of fun. So but I'm going to start here. I, I was struggling not to judge these. And what I mean by that is that I'm, I'm calling myself out a little bit here. Um, I think we have a certain way of digging in on Force Center. It's, it's gotten even deeper over the last couple of years. I've changed as a fan and how I take these stuff, uh, these things in and how I break them down and how I interact with them. It's always kind of from a point of celebrating and always from a point of uh, emotions and all this kind of stuff. But without a doubt, we dig deep, right? And, and it's one of the things we do here. And I always want to, I always, and I think you do the same thing. We want to make sure we don't believe our own hype. Or don't over, you know, think we're the only, this is the only way to take it in. We just have a certain way of looking at Star Wars. So I started watching this, Joseph, and I was like, oh, come on now. Oh, this is what we're doing. Uh, and I just, and I literally, I was like, you know, that's, this isn't right. Um, this isn't right. Because, you know, first of all, these won awards. Yeah. I'm looking at my, uh, I haven't won any Emmys. So 
And this one, several, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Ken. These one. These have great things in them. We're going to go into those details. Uh, I don't think Tarnikovsky set out to explain everything in the minute detail with the fall of the Jedi, the studying of the clone's identity. That was the first one. That The first couple episodes, I was like, we don't even know who the clones are. They're just killing machines. And I was just like, Ken, stop. Stop. Just turn that off and, and enjoy these. And, you know, Lucasfilm didn't go for that stuff either. And then, and I really want to celebrate these. You mentioned it up top, Joseph. I want to celebrate, celebrate these for having some very important introductions or taking some things, Planet Ilum comes to mind, taking them from other things and putting them into the forefront. I have impressive moments. And I think I count these as among the first wave of this uh, a prequel love for our generation where it was like, oh, I don't know about the movies, but those are pretty cool. And that's where I'm at right now. That was the journey of Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I thought you might go on that journey. Um, yeah, you know kind, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, so you know me well. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of had this journey um, myself a little bit a couple of years ago uh, off air. I think it's literally a couple of years ago because I loved these when they came out. And, mm. and it, like I said, it does have to do with my relationship with the with the prequels changing. Um, I, I, you know, had my criticisms of the prequels when they came out, but I was really drawn to them. I really loved them. Revenge of the Sith really locked it in. Where all, when all the ideas came together and I, you know, started to think about it more from that perspective of, oh, look at all these ideas. But when it was first coming out, it, it, I did have some of those criticisms of like, why doesn't it feel like uh, the original trilogy? Where is the thrilling action and adventure? You know, I, I want it to be uh, a little edgy and a little darker. And, you know, I don't need characters uh, stepping in poo poo, you know. And mm -hmm. so when these like I said, when these came out, it spoke to all of those criticisms and said, here, this is exactly what you've been wanting. So these lived in my mind for years as so great. And then a couple of years ago, uh, I found them on YouTube because mm -hmm. I wanted to remember a couple of specific beats with Anakin and Asajj. And I watched it and it was uh, on Canny Valley is the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. I had the reaction of a totally unfair reaction as you're describing is my relationship with this era is now the Clone Wars animated series I know so well and love so well. And this felt like, you know, that uh, I don't even remember what that Simpsons episode is, but it ends with the beat of uh, uh, Bart and Lisa seeing, looking out the window and seeing the almost Bart and Lisa outside and being just like having just existential dread and terror at it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and like, that's the way I saw it. And I was like, what? I feel so different. So, um, so going into this, into the rewatch, knowing we we're going to discuss it, I wanted to reconnect to the love. So mm -hmm. I, I did, you know, what you and I talk about trying to do of, you know, leave my baggage at the door, acknowledge it. Yeah. And just engage with what is presented and engage with it like I did back then. And I think the way these were made of they're so attack of the clones based, right? They're not. Yeah. They're moving Anakin's uh, story along a little bit, but really they're just kind of highlighting you know, the dangers, um, they definitely do some storytelling, introduce some characters. We'll talk about all that, but, um, the, it, it's all attack of the clones based in terms of the, the visuals. And it's really just starting from that place and saying, here are the chess pieces. Here are, here are the action figures, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, Literally. let's have some fun with them. And there are some ideas here in some big themes. We'll talk about them, but I really let myself sit back and go, uh, this is Star Wars that loves the part of Star Wars that is an adventure serial, that is a mm -hmm. whiz-bang adventure. 
um, that yeah. is just thrills in the visual poetry of action and gets almost all of its meaning from being just this toned poem of war that dances right on the edge of making you just sort of glorify it and be like, this is great. And then sneaks in these great moments of making you feel it a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I really enjoyed watching it through that lens is, you know, there's reasons it, it, it uh, won Emmys. It is just this gorgeous exercise in minimalism, the power of animation and the power of Star Wars as in adventure serial. Yeah. And, and the power of Star Wars to, to, you know, inspire our own imaginations on, on these literally the figures in our hands. We want to say, I, I think it's a, one of the great things you said, a lot of great things in there, but th th these are coming out of attack of the clones. Sith's not even there yet. Tartakovsky did, you know, clearly work with Lucasfilm. He had to present George, some of these stuff. I don't, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. I've almost intentionally not dug into that, especially for this episode and next week's. I just kind of, I don't want to get held down on. Well, George said this, there's some little beats and stuff that I'm aware of, but you know, and, and, and to come out of Attack of Clones, and this is what, it makes a lot of sense. And I had a lot of fun watching this the second time uh, last night at the time of this recording. I watched it. I sat down with a with a white claw. Yep, I did that. <laughs> and I just watched these and, and uh, had, uh, had a lot more fun with them. So yeah, remind yourself, Star Wars fans, just every once in a while, check yourself. Yeah, and uh, and I think, uh, if I'm correct on my behind-the-scenes lore, uh, White Claw was a new bounty hunter that they cut from this uh, this series. Absolutely, and then uh, he repurposed him as Grumgar in uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, for me, uh, really, really enjoyed it. But to, to be honest about it, I think the things that make it uh, different from the Clone Wars we now know, right? The And there's no reason that... Um, that the team or, or Gendi Tartakovsky would have approached the clones with a bunch of humanity and identity because they're really set up uh, like they are at the end of Attack of the Clones, right? Mm -hmm. You watch Attack of the Clones, there's not a hint that we're going to explore the clones as individual beings with no. humanity, right? It's the no. imperial uh, theme. It, they're a symbol of failure and the dark side. And this you know, shows them as soldiers of the Republic and kind of takes up that theme of like, they are, it, it's too bad that these, you know, uh, uh, armored beings of war have to be here. Um, but that's such a contrast from like, you know, watching those clones do action. Like why, why isn't Rex and Echo joking with each other? You know, it is, it right. is really weird. And there, there is, you know, uh, there isn't a ton of humor. And this, the time we spend with Anakin, it's really focused on on his anger and the threat of him falling. And there isn't that warmth or kindness. So uh, those things aren't criticisms because there isn't any reason they would have been there at the time, yeah. given given uh, Gendi uh, Tartakovsky's uh, mandate. Uh, but I just want to acknowledge, I think, what makes me go back to them and go, wow, the, these pieces that I know from the other Clone Wars are missing. Yeah, no, totally. I think I think it's fair. It, it, we want to be fair to the series, but also uh, acknowledge it. Yeah, so no, the great stuff. And again, so much stuff in there. And some of the, the it was the first positive Star Wars conversations I'd felt in a few years back. <laughs> yes, me as well. So let's get into uh, some of the things uh, to to celebrate for sure. Um, how did you feel about the uh, the two D animation? About the animation itself? Does it feel classic or vintage now? Look, it's just weird. It's just the way it is. I was one of those uh, uh, loud jerks 
really upset at the 3d animation of the clone wars at first (laughs) and i was probably at one point said the old clone wars the the better one the original one looks better now i look at this and it's like you're looking at a you know old-timey rotoscope (laughs) or something but i enjoyed in that way and i love because i didn't buy the figures but i I do remember the figures and and i did like the look i like the design and um and I've seen even some of the, you know, redoing some of the modern Clone Wars stuff in this style. I've seen those clips on YouTube and pretty funny stuff, pretty good stuff. But yeah, look, it's just the time, the, the, you know, the Clone Wars stuff. It's another example of George going, let's try to do something forward thinking in terms of tech even. So um, it's uh, it's hard to not to look at these and feel like I'm uh, looking at uh, Tom and Jerry on a Saturday morning. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I felt that in a in a good way, revisiting them mm-hmm. like uh, I, there was something, you know, I think a little classic, a little retro about them in 2003. Right. There's um, yeah. nods in the design to the uh, style of the Nirvana animation uh, that they, you know, pull a little bit of that uh, from the studio that made the uh, story of the faithful Wookiee from the holiday special. Give a little bit of that 3PO look. And, you know, I was recently rewatching uh, from way back in the day, the uh, original Max Fleischer Superman cartoons which is kind of a model of mm-hmm. uh not comedy animation but action animation there are definitely some like angles and some design things that that uh spoke uh to that whole history of of action animation um so I, it, it felt kind of classic even back in 2003 and now it really feels like it uh, deserves that word vintage but i really enjoyed it um i really enjoyed it in that sort of like uh uh, there's still power in the old ways <laughs> kind of perspective, right? Of like, uh, you know, because it, it, it's almost like um, the the more animation gets better, there's always going to be an element of sort of expressionism of this isn't meant to be real. This is an, an idea. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a sort of uh, an expression of the idea, a literally expressionism. Uh, that's always there in animation. Um, but this is even more like we are not trying to fool you in any way that that's a beautiful painted backdrop, you know? And I really enjoyed just experiencing that sort of pure expressionism of the animation. Yeah, no, it it, it works. It works. And look, it's just, you know, as far as me, it's human nature. Like even when Rebels came out, it was kind of like, well, I don't, I I like the Clone Wars and Resistance comes out. Now Rebels was better. Yeah, it's just (laughs) the way it works. And um, it was fun. I'll tell you what, I loved a lot of the designs. The clones look really awesome. The colors pop designs look great so yeah yeah absolutely i you know i watched on my computer and i did a, a lot of uh taken screen captures of individual great shots um uh i did want to get this out of the way so we could spend the rest of our time celebrating but we always uh discuss if there's anything that we disliked or questioned so we already talked about like we're going through this journey of having to, to time travel and and really appreciate these for what they are and not compare them to the later series yeah. Beyond that, was there anything else that you weren't sure about? So I, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll try to say there's present day, and then maybe even going back in in time. Um, present day stuff, yeah, it's very action intensive. We're gonna talk about that a lot, and you, and and I know this was kind of pitched. Uh, Tartakovsky was talking about what is like a band of brothers type of series, the, the HBO show and everything, and and you could see that. And there's times uh, a lot of uh, hey, there's a war arm. Uh, let's watch it, and let's go have some fun watching this war. Uh, I don't hold that against the series. It's just, it's, it's very apparent now. And I look, Star Wars, you say, it, it should have some pew pew. And this has a lot of pew 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 in it. So I, I don't uh, dislike that. I don't even question it. It's just something that I can't help but uh, notice now compared to some of the deeper stuff we got going on. Um, I, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just jump to this one. Um, 
there's a lot of the Jedi as warriors and superheroes, which is great because I think they are in a way, but also we love kind of analyzing a little bit more and that stuff now. But uh, I can't, uh, again, I think I'm going to say this a lot, Joseph. I can't hold it against the series. Um, <laughs> but here's one that I didn't like then and I don't like now. Are you ready? You can I'm ready. Guess. Can you guess? <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to have a big reveal. Okay. Um, I can't stand Dirge. <laughs> I didn't like uh, Dirge then. I didn't. I don't like Dirge now. Okay, let, no, yeah. Go, no, go ahead. Uh, he's a, he's a Gendai, so he's named after Gendi. Uh, seemingly immortal species. That's like in the description of the species. And you know, I know. Aside, so when we back in the Jedi Council days, um, I wouldn't do a lot of the producing with the show, but I, you know, towards the end, I take over some of the news gathering duties or whatnot, and I'd see tweets. One fan, God, and if you're a Force Center fan, God bless you. I can't remember your name. It's not you. Every week for a year solid, I'd get a tr- uh, tweet. Do you think we'll see Dirge back in canon? And every week I'd ignore it. Um, <laughs> and I know now, I know, I think Kevin Scott's uh, bringing him back. He's yeah. in the Bounty Hunter series or the Afro series, right? So yeah, no, cool. Dirge, now, Dirge is on his way back into canon. And by the way, I, I'm open to it, right? Because Jackson was the one I probably hated more. And look at that. I love that story from a certain point of view. So, you know, again, check yourself. Ken, check yourself as a fan. But I, I, I watched it. I just didn't. I don't even like the design. <laughs> I don't even like the look. I just, a lot of things I just like, it just doesn't work for me. And other people it might have. Um, he is big and bulky. He's a mid nineties, uh, you know, comic book villainy. Uh, just, just, just nothing about the aesthetic I like. Uh, and then slice him in two. And then uh, like, like a T-1000, he starts coming back to life. Um, and, you know, again, can he be killed? Yeah, 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 we see, you know, we see some stuff going on. But um, anyways, I don't want to head on. I, we want to celebrate. I just, I, 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 I'm not a Dirge fan. That's all. Not a yeah, fan. no, we, we want to be honest. Uh, yeah, so here's, here's my, what I thought as soon as you started to talk about uh, disliking uh-huh. Dirge, and I, I think I'm hearing this. You have a, uh, a Star Wars button where certain things you, doesn't, don't feel like they belong in Star Wars. Like the aesthetic doesn't work. And I think you, when you see Dirge, he is to you some combination of the Batman villain Bane uh, with mm-hmm. a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And you might yeah. like those things, but not in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Does this look like uh, when I'd go by the comic shop in 97? Yep. I don't know if I want it in Star Wars. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. He is absolutely a. Um, a Star Wars villain drawn by Jim Lee. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, um, I, I liked Dirge back in the day uh, because he heightened Obi-Wan by being a villain for Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And there's some things that, as uh, I watch the series, we'll get into that I, I was really uh, of the mindset to, uh, to re-examine Dirge. So I'm, I'm happy to dig into Dirge a little bit. I sure. think for me, um, the the only thing that felt like uh, that I, I disliked or questioned about the actual show was uh, when <laughs> when Yoda just blatantly mind tricks uh, Typho to agree with him about saving Jedi. <laughs> I put, no, I put, yeah, I put that down too. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as the Jedi mind trick evolves over time, right, it, mm-hmm. there are moments where its morality is questioned more, e- even to the point where, you know, uh, the High Republic, there are two different names for it. And it's suggested that the uh, the mind trick is the name that kind of sanitizes it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the morality of the mind trick has has been on people's minds for a long time. And it's a great discussion we've had <laughs> of 
if it's the mind trick or violence, it seems pretty great. If it's just like, I want uh, tacos and my friend wants to get cheeseburgers, not yeah. really cool. Um, and that's, it feels like what Yoda does. Like, it feels like Padme's uh, on Yoda's side and he could have resolved that without just totally mind tricking Typho. Yeah, no, in her reaction, it's kind of like, uh, you know, she's kind of telling Yoda that was fun. Let's not play a trick on him like that again. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, I still, yeah, no, it, to, it totally reads like uh, old man Yoda playing a trick, like a little tricksy. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, it stood out to me. It's, it's fun. It, it's like that playground conversation. Oh, what, if you had a Jedi power, what would you do? Exactly like you said about tacos. Like Yoda's like, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. But, it, you know, again, we get it. It's, <laughs> it stood out. Yeah, it stood out. And then the other thing for me is not actually about uh, the show. It is about the way it is presented on Disney+. Plus. Uh, they took just, I think, the the DVD edition and they they put it on Disney+. Plus. I, I don't know about, you know, any technical stuff because I'm not great at that. What I did respond to is I really wish that these episodes were edited together to kind of present them the way they were constructed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pretty fast and it's pretty random. Like that very first episode starts, uh, you know, it's got that classic Star Wars kind of uh, uh, mm-hmm. shot of, of everybody looking out at the horizon and then uh, the music kicks in and then just goes... Boom. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. gets turned off, and then other places, um, we go to black for a, a moment, and I think other places, it's you know a place where there was kind of a cliffhanger is sort of elided over, and it just yep. strings together. I really think it would be great to have a version of this on Disney Plus, and I, I know it's a money thing. I know it's they, sure. you know, they're not going to spend the money right now, but man, would it be great to have something that's just like truly ends where the individual episodes ended. Uh, as they were created and mm-hmm. has like a little title card, you know, yeah, to, to yeah. separate them and, and let them breathe and, so that you can really process it the way it was created. Cause unless you go on Wikipedia and yeah. know that they were these individual three to five minute episodes, you're going like, what, 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 what is the structure of this? Where are we going? I mean, they hint at it with micro series, but you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, I, I think we, cause we had the benefit of watching them when they came out or whatever it is, like the first viewing, I, I, I was I was like oh these these flow really well together almost like the opposite of what you're saying and and the t- until I sat down again and brought up the Wikipedia page and was looking at the ip- episodes and I was like what what is wait we got another release order problem <laughs> it's like yeah kind of all over the place and that was kind of even how they were put out but um, then I had a little bit more of uh, yeah not an issue but just like yeah I I definitely see what you're saying and, and got it because like the Mace one there's a cliffhanger and I was like. What's the episode then? Oh, that's the break. But you couldn't, you can't tell. It's so smooth. Well, and it's part of the adventure serial fun of what they mm-hmm. were. And I remember waiting. I remember being extremely worried about Obi Wan and mm-hmm. this uh, unstoppable uh, uh, villain uh, from a '90s comic book because <laughs> yeah. there was a cliffhanger, and that's the adventure serial. And and I'm not, you know, I don't want uh, Disney Plus to make people click through, you know, uh, twenty three to five minute yeah. episodes, but, but a little title card to preserve that uh, energy would be cool. Yeah. I could be on that. All right. We got it. Uh, we got it out of the way of the things we disliked or question. Other things might pop up, but let's get into celebrating. We always talk about the big ideas, the big themes. Uh, we both talked about, this is really um, a series that its goal is to be the serial adventure to celebrate the action of star Wars. But what all did you feel like uh, was at stake? What were the big ideas in this uh, first volume to you? Yeah. The, 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 
the big ones that just jump out right from the start is is because Yoda sends a word uh, whether the uh, sentence uh, Clone Wars spread like fire throughout the galaxy. So we get the chaos of war and the overwhelming nature of war. I'm thinking specifically of the the, the Mace one of just like take take Mace's force powers out, which I'm sure we'll discuss. But just the whole situation and there's a lot of just clones being wiped out. You don't see them. It's a little blip on the screen from a distance, but um. And that that boy who has it, what's his name? Paxi. I, I looked it up. The, the the boy that watches the the battle on Tatooine, like you know, to just come over the hill and just see this is the the war going throughout the galaxy, and it works for me. It works um, with with Yoda's opening and that great shot. I'll talk about again, but just him riding into battle. But it's like starts with so quiet and intimate and Star Wars like, and then all of a sudden, boom! It's this war like we had not really seen before and coming out of Attack of the Clones, what we were really excited to maybe get. And, and I think we got it to a certain degree in Revenge of the Sith, but even not to George's standards and probably reason the, the uh, Clone Wars animated series came about. So anyways, I love that. Uh, then we got Anakin's growing power and his growing anger, big themes as well, but uh, all part of just this overwhelming time in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, I, I really went to the to the same place. I think kind of narratively, you know, there are definitely some some story beats, and I feel like the this uh, this first volume, as they've collected, uh, the real plot driver is Anakin's maturity, right? That just kind of yeah. gets raised as the main tension. Uh, we get that scene uh, early on where there's the kind of the the push and pull for Anakin's soul, where you know Palpatine thrusts him into action and separates him. Uh, from Obi-Wan and then we right. we check in again when uh, Anakin is determined to follow Asajj and, and Obi-Wan uh, tries to tell him no and uh, the, the we learn that uh, in this story uh, Asajj is basically uh, a tool of not just Dooku but specifically Sidious to push Anakin uh, toward the dark side and that's where we end up with a great uh, lightsaber fight in him screaming tattered holding her uh, red lightsaber in his uh in his mechanical hand so it's definitely uh anakin's maturity that even gets called up exactly right of obi-wan saying it's not your skills it's your maturity so narratively that's definitely the big thing but i think for me almost because we've got to see versions of that story in the actual prequel movies in this clone wars in the clone wars animated uh the 3d clone wars I think the the thing that's even more affecting to me is the other thing you're talking about, um, which I really thought of as like the uh, the unrelenting march of violence. You know, yeah. uh, because of that great stylized animation, we get to see it, it, all over the place, row after row of you know uh, mechanized droids and weapons. Um, I did not look up the name of the actual uh, device in the mace arc uh i just called it the dantooine ground pounder <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. it's a seismic tank i'm sure it has an actual name oh i can look it up uh, yeah dantooine ground pounder is the best thing but it's just i mean that sounds like a burger yeah. you'd you know get a prize for finishing <laughs> but uh but it's just so brutal right of just a yeah. a, a picture of the, the horror of uh the dark side as mechanical of just boom just so brutal and visceral to just crush people uh to just pound the ground um but there's a lot of other images that that really made me feel like yeah we're having the fun of the action we're having the adventure serial we're having the isn't it cool uh what jedi can do but there are lots of little images that give you that feeling of um creeping dread and violence that once it started it's just not gonna stop you know mm. um the getting that uh that image uh, or that line from Obi-Wan where he says, you know, he's troubled by the Sith interest in Anakin of that kind of 
sense of foreboding, um, the relentless kind of nature of the fight between Anakin and Asajj. Grievous in the final chapter is this at least partially mechanized, just unstoppable killing machine. And this, uh, Ken, you might not be able to follow me down this path, uh, (laughs) but really looking at it all from this filter made me appreciate Dirge more because that's, I think, kind of Mm. the point Mm. of him being unstoppable. He's not a mechanic. He's he's almost more... um, you know, organic. He's he's almost more like a precursor to the Drenger in some ways. Um, but there was there was something powerful about that. He is a symbol of of violence, and you know, Obi Wan uses all of this different violence to try to stop him. And even once Obi Wan has literally traveled into the heart of darkness, he is inside the violent being and explodes it from the inside. The last shot is. Uh, Obi-Wan contemplating Dirge's helmet as the the fluid of his exploded body is creeping back together. And it's just this great image of unrelenting violence. I, I, I can follow you down the theme of that for sure. Um, I, I wish Dirge didn't have a big, weird hunchback and tiny legs like Bluto. But um, <laughs> no, um, no, I could because t- I, I think that's part of it. Also with Anakin, too, of just like, and it carries to, to any other Star Wars story during this era of just like the chaos of, of war and everything and, and how it's just. You, the Jedi are in it and they're leading it and and therefore Anakin gets has to be separated or has to be somewhat left alone at times and and to make these mistakes and grow and then yeah on the dirge side I mean I actually it's listed I, I can show everyone my notes so I'm not lying it's listed a little later of, of the him and the dirge and the Lancer droids I actually do like that sequence um, so yeah. behind you on what it what it represents uh, absolutely um, and it's creepy in its own way and and, and creep has a place in Star Wars but um, yeah, so no stretch for me to go down that path with you. Okay, two thumbs up on Dirge thematically, but not visually. <laughs> I mean, if he... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens with him in the comics. Uh, mm-hmm. Last thing for me I was going to say on this is another moment that um, I felt like I was rewarded by leaving my other Clone Wars baggage uh, at the door yeah. and just enjoying this for this is um, enjoying some of the things that are different. Like that moment in that that first episode... I think does such a great job of setting everything up and, you know, reintroducing you to the characters and here we go war. But what a really different moment to see Obi-Wan looking out at the troops and just hearing him think to himself, you know, being inside his head where he says, I doubt even master Qui-Gon could have prepared a Jedi for this. Mm -hmm. Even before you get into the, the, the fun and the thrill of all the action, it does set up a little bit of that sense of horror. And there's a really great connection to where it goes, where when, uh, you know, Anakin is, is you know, brutally hacking at Asajj. He sees those flashes of yeah, yeah. Um, of Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon. And it's a really nice way to kind of tie it back together of even that little bit of haunting, you know, could have Qui-Gon prepared Anakin for yeah. this, you know? Yeah, no, that was a nice little touch. And there's a lot of little beautiful, beautiful moments like that uh, against this big backdrop. Um that kind of stuff. I, I love that. I love, I love Padme, the active queen is what I called her in here. You know, even though she's a senator, I get that, but just coming out of attack the clones, you know, aggressive negotiations. She's not afraid of that stuff. Uh, all that kind of part of what's going on in the war. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how did you see the larger themes of star Wars, uh, explored? I mean, obviously what we're talking about, Anakin's fall and, you know, uh, the, the horror of war, th- those are pretty big star Wars themes, but were there other, uh, big star Wars themes that, that you felt watching this first volume? Uh, there's a little bit, there's some good stuff 
about fear and the views of fear, fear, how you can use fear as a weapon, uh, the great exchange with uh, uh, Ventress and Dooku and how he basically says, no, nah, you're not Sith because you, you have fear. Uh, Fear, though I would, I would say I, my argument was like, does Dooku actually believe that? Uh, do the Sith believe that? Because it seems like they are completely fear motivated, including not want to lose their power, and they just overlook that. And I just, I love playing with that uh, and that kind of, uh, you know, maybe move past fear, go to hatred, and that's where your strength comes from. Um, that's uh, the way I take it. Yeah, that that's yeah, a part yeah. of the lie of the dark side, especially somebody like Dooku, who really sees himself as as just this. Uh, I I have believed Jedi BS, uh, but I mm-hmm. am a person of power, and I know that fear is a path to to the dark side. So I know that's a vulnerability for other people, but I have moved beyond that to just having my anger give me power. And I think the truth we see is that that there is still fear when you're uh, a Sith, but I think. Dooku's lying to himself about that. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you there. And then, and, and so that that does carry over to me of just when we keep talking about this chaos of war thing, and and dirge can elicit fear. Uh, the 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 doing ground pounder can elicit a fear. And what do you do with that fear? Uh, and 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 you know, do we spend a ton of time digging in deep? No, but it's sometimes it's, it is the action showing you how they deal with the fear or how they push past it, even and. and uh, uh, and I think that's that's one of the big themes prevalent for me that's big in Star Wars. Yeah, I think that's great. And you, you can always have those great moments of discussion with um, when Jedi are determined to rescue one another. Is that uh, absolutely just a preservation of life or are they dancing on right. the edge of, um, you know, fearing loss? Like Yoda goes so far as to mind trick Typho because he is not going to lose uh, Luminara and Barris on Ilum, you know? It, it, absolutely. So even Dirge works in that. Dirge, <laughs> I'd be afraid of Dirge. I'd be afraid of Dirge. Um, he'd, be, he'd be like, I heard you talking about me. <laughs> that big, deep laugh. <laughs> yeah. um, I love uh, all of the just images of the organic versus uh, the mechanical. I think it's really just pulling out um, the imagery of uh, Attack of the Clones, of the sort of the fear of all of these, you know, uh, the, the lack of humanity of all of these uh, droids and all of this uh, weaponry and all these clones with their matching helmets of war, it really plays with that uh, of seeing all of these um, very, uh, these weapons of war that are all mechanical and they're all devoid of humanity, uh, like the ground pounder. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we also get to see them at work in natural environments that would be beautiful otherwise, like Dantooine and the Moncala oceans. So yeah. I think really playing with those great Star Wars themes of organic versus mechanical. And then for me, the other one is I, I do think there is a, a light touch of reminding uh, the reminder that there's there's power in working together. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that Palpatine gets Anakin to be vulnerable is by separating him and uh, by insisting that he be separated from Obi-Wan and go off on his own mission. Right. And, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't want that in the beginning. And then he doesn't want that when. Uh, Anakin is chasing Asajj and, and Anakin even eventually admits that it, it was a trap. So there's this real value of Obi-Wan saying, we are stronger together. Don't go off alone. Uh, that's Padme's story. You know, mm-hmm. as you say, Senator Queen of Action uh, is just really not okay with knowing that Yoda might be in danger and just sitting by. Um, and then Luminara's very interesting mantra is very much about connection when she and uh, Barris are oh, in the cave on Ilum. Uh, the, her mantra is uh, the crystal is the heart of the blade the heart is the crystal of the Jedi the Jedi is the crystal of the force the force is the blade of the heart 
all are intertwined. Uh, that could be just a, a great tongue twister to memorize, yeah. uh, but it's a essential message is everything is connected. We are all connected, you know? Indeed. Good stuff. Yeah. I the Elm stuff's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you think that this series inspired Lucas to keep telling the story? Um, like I'm, I'm sure there's some great interviews out here that has different people saying the answer, but just kind of as fans, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially the journey that, that you and I got to go on when we were very aware of this, of like these came out, uh, then revenge of the Sith came out. And then, uh, just a little while later, uh, Lucas is, is making a clone wars, uh, animated series himself. Uh, what, when you watch these, do you imagine George Lucas sitting on the couch next to you going, Oh, hot damn. I gotta, I gotta make more of this. That's almost exactly it, especially on the couch next to me. I had some <laughs> leftover Thai food. I'm sure he'd enjoy that as well. Yeah, no, because, uh, you know, again, Tartakovsky had to work with them, had to present them, uh, and I intentionally did not dig too far down this path, the behind-the-scenes path, like I said, but there was uh, his Mace, the Mace episode is uh, Tartakovsky's, like, favorite episode, and he was worried about presenting that to George. Um, George signed off on it. Uh, George uh, Dirge is supposed to come back, but uh, he, uh, George says, make it grievous, introduce grievous. So, so they're working enough together, but George is making revenge of the Sith. He is um, in it, right? He, he's trying to figure that out when this is, he's coming out of tactical and he's doing that. So you, how can you not watch this? Cause we're getting these ideas. I'm not putting me on the level of George. I'm just saying, <laughs> We're watching this going, oh, man, I wish you could go a little deeper in the clones like we eventually do. Oh, I wish we could analyze this like we eventually do. Got to imagine George just going, I got some ideas. I'm going to dig a little deeper. And then I didn't get my seven battles and seven planets. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Hey, let's keep going with this. Let's figure this out. And let's also go in a different direction. You know, I I absolutely can see that that kind of is the case. Yeah. And maybe it was always the plan. Maybe this was a, a yeah. test run, you know, uh, but it, I there's something about uh, the path from this 2D Clone Wars to uh, the Clone Wars we we all know that just it makes me happy. Uh, mm-hmm. I also thought about the, the seven battles on on seven worlds like, you know, he wanted to have more room to I think Lucas wanted to have more room in Revenge of the Sith to play uh, with the Clone Wars. And I think there are two sides of it. There's the, the heart of the adventure serial. You know, I think mm-hmm. when I watch all the Clone Wars stuff, both this uh, series and the, uh, the 3D one, mm-hmm. there's so much in it that I feel uh, that I imagine what Lucas felt when he was a kid and yeah. he saw the Flash Gordon serials and just wanted to explore all those worlds and what could those aliens look like and what would it look like if these aliens fought these, uh, you know, uh, hawk people and just wanting to explore all that and see all that is so present. Uh, just the celebration of the big, weird, pulpy adventure serial. And I think mm-hmm. that the uh, Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars absolutely celebrates that with a with absolutely a touch of heart, a touch of the mm-hmm. horror of war, but more an emphasis on the thrill and the fun of yeah. the adventure serial. So I can really imagine Lucas going, I could really make all that star Wars adventure serial fun that I always wanted to see. And I could do a bunch more deeper character exploration. Yeah. You know, I can, I can make those clones be characters, be humans. And I know Flo needed a lot of development as well, yeah. but it, I just really imagine it from that perspective of, 
I can really take my time and have the elbow room to totally marry the thrilling adventure serial to the heart and the humanity, you know? Yep. Uh, yep. And you know, maybe one day uh, someone will maybe send me a link to the actual interview where George talking about, it. I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's a weird headcanon choice for me, <laughs> but yeah. <I> just <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we will, we'll look that up. Uh, but for now we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back to discuss some of, some of our uh, favorite uh, characters or arcs, uh, action moments, comedy moments, all those great details, all that in just a moment. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. back to finish our discussion of volume one of the micro series vintage clone wars uh so we're gonna dive into some of the details ken uh was there any particular um uh did you gravitate to any particular character or little story arc within uh this first volume uh, I, I said some prayers and thought about some things during the break. Dirge, Dirge is the best. Now, um, I want to apologize to Dirge fans. I don't want to come off ever being too hard or harsh. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I love things other people don't too in Star Wars. So uh, there you go. No, um, the thing uh, I gravitated, I gravitated to just um, there's great purpose to the venture story. Like you said, Palpatine and, you know, the even Pal- what, what's the line? Palpatine says uh, key to the destruction of the Jedi or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, big stuff. But I just love just kind of the rivalry of Anakin and Ventress. If, if you can call it that, not to turn it into like some sports event, but just it's pretty intense. It's a great big fight and it's very memorable. That's one thing, even when this micro series is kind of in the back of foggy back corners of my mind as a Star Wars fan, I was always like, Oh yeah, that, Adventures Anakin stuff is good. And Adventures comes back uh, and gets, I think she even gets better once, especially Katie Lucas starts writing her. I, I love Ventures as a character, but there's some really good stuff here. So there's that one. And then the other one uh, quickly is um, just Obi-Wan as a general. Obi-Wan mm. is in the war, uh, having a little heart, having some conscience, but also being in the war and being damn good at it is uh, something I was uh, watching closely. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think for me, uh, I enjoyed all of it, but the, the three arcs that popped the most uh, for me is uh, the Asajj stuff, um, both with Anakin at the end, you know, just really memorable, really powerful, really, especially back in the day, like, wow, this is, a, you know, lightsaber fight where Anakin really goes too far. And uh, the, the, the rain on the lightsabers is probably one of my favorite Star Wars images. It's just, it's great, incredibly well done. But I really enjoyed the Asajj Dooku chapters um, because some of the stuff that's in this micro series is, you know, we see it play out similar ideas play out differently in the later Clone Wars. But that initial meeting between Asajj and Dooku, you know, is referenced in lots of other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really seeing it and seeing this um, terrifying wannabe Sith warrior uh, in a kind of arena battle area is just that's really great. Uh, Dooku's mm-hmm. apartment is great. Everything about that, uh, that little bit of uh, Dooku seeming like, yes, she'll kill Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> Insidious is like, 
well, actually, maybe. <laughs> Don't worry about it too much. Like that dynamic between them is great. Um, and then for me, the the Obi Wan Dirge stuff, partially just because of you know being a big Obi Wan fan. I really take your point about about the general. I think I think that's something that feels very similar uh, between the two Clone Wars is Obi Wan yeah. having that sort of like deep sigh. Don't want to be in war, but since we are. I'll do my duty and I'll get through it as quickly and as reasonably as possible. Um, and he's really got that vibe in this of, you know, got, got the clones under command, got the full, the full clone armor. I remember uh, my jaw being on the floor, uh, watching that for the first time of Obi-Wan in the full clone armor. Um, and, and I just, I really appreciate it even more, um, uh, by the end of, uh, where the dirge story goes of, it seems like just such a great analogy for the Clone Wars of Obi-Wan, like, ah, drove my lightsaber through him. Nope. Oh, hacked him apart. Nope. Oh, climbed inside him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I allowed myself to be swallowed by evil in an attempt to destroy it. It's just like Obi-Wan is trapped in an analogy for the Clone Wars. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the, 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 the final one is the, the Mace's uh, adventure on, on Dantooine, I think might be my favorite. Mm. Of, of all of it because it is in some ways the most explosive how hyper powerful can a jedi be um almost doesn't feel in line with sort of modern canon uh yeah. of like that jedi aren't quite as powerful uh as mace is portrayed but i think it, it, the power of it for me is having these pillars on either end which is in some ways the most horrific thing in this volume that uh seismic tank i won't keep calling it a ground pounder uh the seismic tank is so horrific mm. in th- on one end and then on the other hand seeing this this farm kid uh paxi silo uh very luke like right you yeah. know on you know this looks looks like a you know agrarian farmer life seeing both the uh, you know adventure of oh i'm seeing that and the utter horror of what he's seen Right. But then ultimately just having this moment with, uh, you know, like a story he's going to be able to tell for, you know, decades of this moment that he gave his his water to this Jedi. It, it, I think the action of Mace that Mace is doing is some of the just most bonkers, amazing Jedi action. But it's just really grounded by the humanity of seeing it through this kid's eyes in the utter horror of of what Mace is trying to stop. Yeah, no, and 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 the use of uh, the, just the complete lack of, you know, dialogue other than I think what the droids, right? I can't maybe clones say something, but um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's beautiful. It's 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 beautiful in its own harshness. <laughs> it's own harsh way that <laughs> yeah, it is harshly beautiful. Harshly um, beautiful. Is there anything in uh, this volume of Clone Wars that you wish was firmly canon? Because this is you know vintage expanded universe legends whatever you want to call it uh this is not you know for being super technical about canon uh you know some things get pulled from it but this is not super technical canon is there anything that you wish was absolutely 100 percent firmly canon yeah and just talking about these two this is the first two seasons there's probably a lot of stuff in the next one i probably say but i went with general stuff here um uh, the battle of uh, munilinst if that's the right way to say it uh, and then the Battle of Mon Calamari. Now, they might be canon in some other way. Someone can point to some references. I just, I like a lot about the battles and what happened there. Um, so I just would love to know that, yep, that that counts. It's all part of this war. 
that was uh, gone on there. And then just the, the, the detail. I don't, oh, I'm trying to remember if it pops up anywhere else. I apologize. But Anakin and Asajj fighting on Yavin 4 is something I like. I like it. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, the, the Asajj stuff is, uh, you know, it, her her meeting Dooku is is referenced and discussed. I, I believe mm-hmm. in both Dark Disciple, Dark Disciple, and um, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Right. Yeah. Um, but this uh, additional clarity that her initial goal was just to provoke Anakin. I can't remember if that's been brought into into canon or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I really like. I think one of the things that sometimes um, when I'm watching the the uh, 3D Clone Wars is that's canon. Is I miss meeting Asajj. And I, yeah. I really, really like meeting Asajj for the first time and seeing the moment that she and Dooku met. Yeah, no, you know, I, I'll submit that one as well, too, because, yeah, you're right. It's been it's been vaguely referenced. But even the conversation when she just kind of woof appears and, and uh, Dooku is, you know, sitting there and, and appraising her for <laughs> killing his host. Um, I like that one. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And uh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry. I'm happy that they're just coming back. <laughs> <laughs> The Force Center War, the Dirge uh, discussion. Yes, the Dirge Wars have begun again. I'm so curious to see how they use the character. Um, and I just, I really like it. I think it is just kind of a, a best of both worlds that um, we have these stories and we can enjoy them. And, you know, mm-hmm. canon can be what, what you want it to be. You can care about canon, you cannot care about canon. These are stories in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, but I also like the the real... Um, the Thrawn approach of it from modern canon of these characters don't have to be married uh, mm-hmm. to the stories you knew before. There can be an essence of the character that can be sort of reinvented, reinterpreted and, and put solidly into modern canon. I'm happy for Dirge to get that because there are uh, people, uh, as you know, from being uh, tweeted at weekly <laughs> who love Dirge. And I'm very happy for those people that I'm really curious to see uh, from, you know, the visual of him and from his story here, you know, what gets interpreted into modern canon? What uh, bits do the, do the writers and artists pick up on and say, this is how this character makes sense in the way we're talking about Star Wars now? Yes. Uh, regarding Dirge's return, to quote Palpatine, we will watch your career with great interest. I'll, uh, I'm very <laughs> curious to see what they do and how they do it. Because I, I do, but I do agree with that. Uh, Jackson is an example. I mean, I, I we talked about already, but I I. I don't like Jackson. That was a, I've grown up with like, oh, the rabbit character. And then that story. And from a certain point of view, I was like, oh, I get it. I'm on his side now. Uh, I, so I'm happy to revisit any character, even Dash Rendar or anything. Else. I'm happy to revisit it. And because I, I think people, you can find uh, better ways to do it or a, a more updated way to do it or just a completely brand new way to introduce an old favorite. Yep, because there's nothing wrong with sometimes in Star Wars going, uh, that character looks cool. So let's bring yeah. him back looking cool because that is a part of star wars uh speaking of looking cool uh, let's talk favorite action moments um because there's so much great action that's you know one of the key things to enjoy about uh volume one of clone wars what were your some of your favorite action moments i, I we have to talk about the opening shot i mentioned it before, but the the coming out of that kind of you know very sparse opening credit sequence uh just star wars <laughs> We're going, um, but just, and I remember, this is one of the ones when you talked about up top of, uh, this is why I know I didn't watch it on the internet first. I watched this on uh, my big tube TV back in the 2003 <laughs> of just an opening shot, 
footstep or, or, you know, running, you hit the center running and then Yoda comes riding in and you're like, Yoda. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I remember I just was been cheering him and attack the clones. Yes. And then boom, uh, everything else behind him, the war is happening. I really love that sequence. I would take that almost beat for beat in a movie. Oh yeah. You know, my, right now I am on amazon.com looking at the, uh, Hasbro star Wars legacy Yoda and Kaibuck action figure. There you go. <laughs> Very, very tempted because that, yeah, it is just a great, great visual that it looks uh, like it's going to be so minimal and so sparse and then, you know, explodes like that. Love that. Yeah. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, For me, I I got several moments of action that I enjoyed. So I'll share a couple and and throw it back to you. I got a few, yeah. Um, I remember being, uh, you know, really excited to see uh, Kit Fisto in full action to see. (laughs) Oh, a topless Kit Fisto. Uh, and uh, what? A lightsaber underwater? Cool. Um, so there's so many moments I could pick from that. But I really love that he uses the for- force to turn water into a hard, destructive bubble <laughs> and throws it at the little uh, right. crab cannon. Yeah. The power. That was a really cool moment, you know, the of just... The power of hard water. The power of hard water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, you know, that was a magic of these back in the day that I was able to, you know, let myself tap back into of like, let's just go get really imaginative of what, what can force users do, you know, anything. Right. Um, that was great. I love the visual. Uh, I love everything about the gladiator sequence uh, with Asajj, but specifically that visual of her dropping uh, ceiling rocks on the gladiators. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially when like, the, that great sensation of speed as they're rushing to the camera and then they're suddenly stopped by being crushed by a boulder. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, th- that whole sequence is a big one. Yeah, that one's a big one. Um, this is one uh, that I, I had to take a, a, a picture of, uh, a screen capture. Uh, it's just very great the way the shot is held for a while when Obi-Wan is first facing Dirge. All the stuff uh, with, with the Lancers and the droids is great. Uh, but when he thrusts the lightsaber into his chest and then just holds it there for a long time and right. nothing happens. Ah, oh, great beat and a great image. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I, I put the whole Lancer troop battle. I put that down. It's, it's, it's a unique, it's a unique sequence, right? It, it, yeah. I can't recall seeing that anywhere else too much, or at least that much detail in star Wars. And uh, it, it's interesting, especially now following Mandalorian to see, you know, IG droids kind of front and center in that way. And on bikes, right? On bikes, yeah, it's a biker gang of IG droids, led by a two thousand year old vampire. Uh, it's uh, it's great stuff. Um, no, I and I, I like it's real different. It's brutal. It's uh, I, I love the Obi Wan stuff and that. So yeah, I'm there for that. Yeah, the helmet uh, getting knocked off. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, so what else do you have on your list of uh, action moments? Yeah, a little uh, just uh, grievous overall. Just uh, you know, and remember this is. You'll still hear people go like, ah, you know, Grievous was so much better in that series. And, and I don't disagree with that. It, 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 I don't want to take away the point of Grievous in Revenge of the Sith, which is, I've, I've said in the past, I've said on Force Center, Grievous at times could be a, a disappointing character to me. But uh, I've, I've started to really appreciate the, the version we have in the 3D series and what his purpose was and his theme was in Revenge of the Sith more than I ever did. So, but you can't, Grievous is dark evil and badass and and that's uh you know this is 2003 and four we liked badass things a lot more back then right um (laughs) uh so that uh but the quick ones there um um i really do there's that one little moment where anakin has the the clones shoot where the droid fighters aren't oh yeah i thought that that was visually looked really good it was a great uh just a great 
beyond just even his four skills, but just uh, his outside of the box kind of thinking in battle. Uh, this is, you know, Anakin, the great pilot that uh, we hear all the way back in New Hope. So that worked for me. And then the little moment on the, the Battle of Mon Calamari when the Republic cruisers become ships. I like that. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So let me ask you about Grievous. Uh, when you saw Revenge of the Sith in the theater, did you feel oversold on Grievous? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, that's definitely probably factors into some of it. And I think it was after I think it was after the movie that I read was that Labyrinth of Evil. And then I got kind of the oh, well, Mace hurt him. That's why. <laughs> um, and, but that's the thing is I sometimes I needed. You know, I'll say, you know, when you when you don't engage with the story presented, a big theme here in Star Wars, you can you can maybe some of those questions that we all have and should have about these movies. Um, the answers, you want the answers to be very surface level. And so this idea of why is, why is Grievous hacking and coughing? I didn't like that. I didn't like that. You don't see it for what the story is telling you. You want an answer. So the answer is, oh, Mace heard him. Mace heard him. That's why. That's why. And so, yeah, you see Grievous in the series. He is formidable. He is scary. He is killing Jedi, which is something, you know, that's not good. We don't really see that other than, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, right? It's kind of growing up the only ones we'd seen to this point. So it absolutely... You go from this and just the overall concept and anticipation of this character to him hacking and coughing and running away. Yeah, it could lend lend yourself to a little disappointment. Yeah, yeah, but great stuff uh, in this. The the terror uh, mm-hmm. of him is is absolutely great. Um, I think for me, a couple other action moments. Uh, that that whole May section is uh, amazing. There are a bunch of different beats I could uh, pull from that. Uh, there's definitely some stuff in here that's kind of like not it doesn't entirely line up with canon. Like there's a lot of just using the force to uh, make blasters go away, yeah. <laughs> blaster bolts go away, you know. Um, but the move that I really like, it's so stylized and it's so great, is when he reaches out to the one uh, B2 battle droid and pulls all of the bolts and screws out so that yeah. one falls apart and just when you think well it couldn't be any cooler than that throws all the bolts and screws at the other two droids right and that yeah. was just like that's like i you know it, it is it's kind of it's tapping into you know what get, what we saw in attack the clones with you know the party's over and the mm-hmm. not only did i cut your head off Django, then i went back and looked at it <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's that part yeah. of what Mace Windu is, is he's under control. He's not of the dark side, but he is fierce. And it's it, those kind of moves aren't just like I'm I need to defend myself is like, I want you to know that I took you apart. I want you to feel it. I want you to think about what you did in the last moments of your sentience. <laughs> no, you know, and, and, and that's what Tartakovsky said is that I loved it, but I was afraid to show George because Mace, he might have been just too powerful. But I guess Leland Chi kind of stood up and, defend, and defended it and, and cited other examples in the movies. Um, so then, then we could br- but break down some stuff. But again, it's there's just um, some really just beautiful violence in that sequence. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And it, my my last uh, two moments are are from more beautiful violence, the uh, Asajj and uh, Anakin battle. Uh, but the beginning of it, it, talk about creeping horror. The all just the uh, horrific shots of Asajj uh, yeah. smashing clones into trees with the Force and just oh, throwing yeah. them around and just picking them off one by one. It's so uh, it's so horrible, but it's such great action. And R four man. Poor R4. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those moments that's different of like, yeah. all right, uh, bye R2. Let's go R4. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then it works so well that he's got that Anakin does have that attachment to not only his, his men, but even his droid, you know? Totally. 
and she successfully sets him off. And the final thing for me is, like I said, I think it might be one of my favorite uh, images in Star Wars. That's a long list, but uh, the rain on the lightsabers is yeah. just so great. And that that sizzle, um, the, that whole thing is constructed so well as a piece of action, as a piece of animation, the way it escalates and escalates and, and changes with the environment. But that rain beat is just uh, amazing and always will be to me. Yeah, no, I, well, and, and watching it uh, the first time, that's when I started to maybe calm my uh, attitude down on, uh, let's, what, what are you trying to prove by folding your arms while you're watching this series? Like, that's cool, and that's powerful, and it stands the test of time. Enjoy that, Ken. And I went, okay, you're right. Give me a White Claw. <laughs> I'm going to have a White Claw with my lunch when we're done talking. Um, so uh, let's move on to some comedy moments. Now, there is not as much comedy, I would, uh, I would argue, in, uh, in this version of Clone Wars. But what moments uh, made, you, uh, made you laugh or chuckle or smile into well, your White Claw? There's, there's a lot of, uh, of uh, flipping off of robes. Uh, Kit <laughs> does it so well. You mentioned Topless Kit. Anakin, when he, when he just... And, and it turns into a beat with, with 3PO, which is, which is fine. But I just love that that he just gets up and is like, boom, see, dramatic, robe is off. I, I, I like that. It's so funny because like the comedy beat is, is it hitting 3PO? And that's like a very light version of the kind of yeah. 3PO comedy that's in the prequel movies. But yeah. Anakin, it almost feels like it's a part of their training of take your robe off theatrically. Like <laughs> Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan kind of do it. I they kind of make a thing of it when they see Darth Maul. But yeah. Anakin's is so big of like, I'm getting my ship and going to war. And so I throw, <laughs> I throw my cloak away like Lady Gaga making you know a costume change in a concert, you know. Exactly. You got then you got old Magic Mike Mike Fisto over there doing that before he goes for a swim. <laughs> it, it works. It works. It really works. Great stuff. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I do like uh, you know Kid Fisto smiling. Come on, that's been something we've known since Tack Clones, and so I love that seeing that uh, continue to go. Um, I there's a couple um, moments with. Uh, well, I, I so during the the Duke uh, Duke Adventure stuff, I love when he's sitting there just watching this just brutal gladiator if gladiator fight, and he's got his his legs crossed, and I just was like, he is very exquisite, which taps into Duku's exquisite pajamas later in the 3D series and Battlefront Two. I was like, I just I just got, I love Duku in that way. Is it is it super funny? No, but it's just a great character beat. Uh, no, that was the second one I wrote down too because he is he he's the gentleman terror. He's the gentleman mm. nightmare, you know. And being at this you know death battle with uh, legs crossed and hands folded politely, like he's at the opera, is really funny. Yeah, uh, I like Sand Hill's quote: "Have mercy on me, I'm merely just a banker." That works. <laughs> uh, Kenobi saying, uh, "I believe I created quite the mess, haven't I?" Or something like that. I may have written down wrong. But then the cl- <laughs> the clone responds, just deadpan with no emotion. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that right in that same section, I really like it when dirge has uh, initially exploded and Obi-Wan is drenched in dirge fluid yeah. and just uh, breathing heavy. And it's almost like he's just kind of like he is coming to terms before he loses it in front of his his clones. Like he has to accept that he can't start swearing and loses you know, you don't <laughs> lose okay. himself. You know, Obi-Wan's thinking, I just want to go sit in a hut for about 19 years. Oh, this is a mess. What am I doing? Uh, anything else for you? Uh, a couple of the Mace moments. There's uh, the Mace's eyebrows. Of, there's a great, like, oh, yeah moment um, that I think he says to the, that kind of expresses to the droids. 
And I love that. I love that episode. I don't want any, anyone to think I don't, but that moment of, Oh yeah. Almost makes up for the punching. Um, which I don't know if I, I might hate Mace's super force punching so much that I love it. Yeah. The super force punching was, was right on the edge, uh, for me. Like I, I think that I think seeing Mace like do the massive force pushes and and pulling the nuts and bolts out like it it's almost like uh, the animation is a, is a heightened form of Star Wars storytelling and so the action is a little bit heightened but the uh, the the force punch is like <laughs> that like uh, I can normally turn these things off but that like that triggers my like is that canon it really does you know like yeah can they can jedi really i mean they do punch the droids fairly often i guess in in clone wars but you know maybe it's something mace is trained to yeah. you know force punch and i like to picture there's he's not actually making contact there's just like a little buffer buffer yeah no look again i i legitimately i think i hate it so much that i want to watch it on a loop and then the final thing i i um it's um i call it the it's a it's a mean joe green moment if anyone remembers that old commercial of a football legend joe green getting a a, a coke or something or a pepsi or whatever it was from a kid in the, in the hallway before going to a football game it's kind of a famous commercial for our generation so i just that that moment with paxi is a real mean joe green mace moment of just uh hey you kid can I have your towel? Yeah, here's the water. Yeah, it's, just, it's funny. I like it that. is. It's really good. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I, I might be a little thirsty after what I just did. Thanks, kid. Yeah, <laughs> it is very funny. Uh, for me, uh, the the Yoda Padme section, I, I really do like. Um, mm-hmm. the uh, But I really liked Yoda's delivery on this one line. There's a, there's a bunch of funny Yoda shots where he looks utterly shocked. Um, yeah. When there's that moment where he is realizing that he is maybe not listening to Padme uh, and she kind of looks away uh, and he looks totally shocked. And to, to just do it as a screen capture, it looks like Padme just said something horrific to Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so that one really uh, amused me. But the, the delivery, uh, when he's making the argument for Ilum, he says to Ilum, we must go now. <laughs> he really holds the now and it's super funny. What is what's the I, I, oh, I was going to write it down. After the Typho mind trick and Padme's like, uh, Captain, make make for Ilum with the best speed possible or whatever the line was. I was going to write that down because it, it was like, are you speaking stuff like Yoda too? Or what? <laughs> uh, and then I, I think we cannot get through this episode without uh, referencing uh, the collection of Jedi that uh, General Grievous is terrifying in that final chapter. But uh, the shaggy Jedi, uh, I do think is funny. I thought it was funny back in the day. Yeah. And I enjoy now. It's a thing we still talk about of getting to see a few more of those Jedi are like, yeah. you're attached to the force but you're not the greatest <laughs> zoinks what are we gonna do here yeah and that shaggy jedi works for me do, yeah. do you like shaggy jedi i do like shaggy jedi you know someone's gotta go yeah whose name is shaggy with some apostrophes yes and it's classic classic star wars style uh were there any specific designs uh that were unique to this of ships or planets or weapons that you really enjoyed yeah, there's uh, there's uh, some smaller ones. I, but, and this is this is why it's complicated to keep up with me sometimes with what I love and don't like in, in Star Wars. You got Dirge. A lot of people are like, man, Dirge is awesome, big and bulky and scary. And I'm like, nah, I don't like that. But then meanwhile, I'm like the Quarren Crab Cannon. Give me that. <laughs> <laughs> so that whole sequence is so bizarre because it's so it's all underwater. They got like you know tridents and aquamen swimming around and i just they got a crab cannon why wouldn't you have a crab cannon there's crabs swimming around you probably like uh i like the crab cannon 
yeah, it just makes sense to build everything that way. Yeah. That's the way, uh, yeah, architecture and, and weaponry makes sense to them. I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I love the design of Dooku's castle that Asajj wakes up in. Those yeah. shots of just, uh, you know, it, it it does, it looks, there's something about it, and I do not mean this at all as an insult. insult. It's got a almost Looney Tunes vibe. It's like Wile E. Coyote woke up in a nightmare. Uh, yeah. There's, and there's something about that aesthetic that is, it's very Star Wars, but it's very classic animation, too. I just love that. Well, I think it also sets up with this, this the Ventress being there. That you could go, hey, let's go revisit uh, Dooku's uh, house with his pajamas. <laughs> I think this <laughs> gave us that. Exactly. And I like to think this is just another one of his homes. Yes. Yeah. He's Oh, he's, yeah. he owns many coastal homes. <laughs> uh, what else do you have for uh, planets or ships or weapons? Yeah, uh, cities or planets. Uh, so Har- what's it? Harnadian? Harnadian? Uh, which is the capital city of uh, Monolinst. A lot of names Ken can almost say. Uh, I think the, and the second end, strangely, is silent, I think. Uh, sure. I think it's Munilist. 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 Now I can't say it at all. Uh, anyways, that place, Joseph, uh, it, it look, <laughs> it's, it's just a city of old-timey New York banks, and I, I, I want to live there a little bit more in some other stories. And again, if someone says, ah, it's an episode so-and-so, yeah, maybe I forgot. Uh, I just, the, every time they kept going back to it and that kind of, the backdrop, the old animation style of, uh, you know, just designing a, a backdrop that doesn't really move. It's not dynamic. It's just there. I really like the design of uh, the banking clan living in a bank city. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wrote down in the Rick Ollier line of the entire city is made of banks. <laughs> it's a really, really cool design. And I think it is one of those moments that's, uh, that, that does underscore some of the themes and the ideas that are going on in the Clone Wars in general, that that's one of the first places they need to go is, Right. Uh, you know, the, the place that is f- at least partially uh, to the Republic's knowledge, to the Jedi's knowledge, funding this and just uh, remembering that that very Lucas perspective that, you know, uh, the idea that uh, there is profit to be made off of uh, conflict and off of war was not introduced to Star Wars in The Last Jedi, put it that way. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, absolutely. A uh, um, couple of ones for me and I'll, I'll kick it back to you. I, I, actually, I actually really do love the seismic tank. And I don't remember... Loving it, loving it back then. But I, 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 in studying it more this time around, especially it has like that old sand crawler kind of vibe to the color scheme and the design. But mm-hmm. that, that that shot in the inside when it like launched, when it's like resetting, and, and you, and it, you know, the 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 pounder, the ground pounder, um, goes up and you in the little tiny droids on the walkway next next to it. it I, 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 I kind of like it, and and it's big and it's you know pulpy and superhero-y villain type thing, but. I, I could see that working in, in some other Star Wars story. So I did like that one. Yeah, no, the seismic tank is big, big, big. And it did it did have this like a weaponized version of the Sandcrawler vibe, which was mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, f- final one for me, because uh, I was going to talk about Moonlist as well, um, is uh, Asajj's solar sailor ship. Um, yes. I've always liked Dooku's um, that has the, the uh, you know, kind of uh, the literal sail um mm-hmm. but this was such a cool design of a ship and it the 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 solar part uh the solar sail part looks cool uh but just a great contrast to the great jedi starfighter and and the design of the ship being so cool really heightened all of that um zipping around with anakin and Asajj. what's anakin as, as the azure angel i think is the name of his ship yeah okay yeah um yeah, I, I I like that too. And then a final one for me though, I actually wanted to, well, Kenobi and clone gear you talked about, but it's really cool. That's him in the helmet and everything. I love that. Um, yeah. 
But I got to say, Ventress herself. Now, look, I, I I love what we get in Clone Wars, and we just kind of even with our ship, we got a little more updated version. We spend more time with the character. She goes through some changes. I just I've always liked this one. It's a bold, regal, goth warrior here, and and I kind of I kind of always liked this version of uh, Ventress. Yeah, I mean, there's something uh, that's just kind of uh, I don't know. Pure is a weird word. It's just it's so specific. It's so minimal and so powerful. Totally, yeah. That really really works well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to the Kenobi full armor thing. I think a part of it gets its power in that it is such a a knight-like look, right. including literally, you know, having a lance, you know, that that's really what adds to that that image of really connecting the idea of a Jedi knight to actual imagery of, of real knights. Uh, yeah, again, yeah, it's it's a pretty unique sequence, actually, when you think about it. And again, testament to the a lot of the concepts introduced in this show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll move on to connections to larger canon. Uh, we often do, do talk about those of uh, the the little beats uh, that are callbacks, uh, repetition. Uh, it's really fascinating to see uh, what was in this and what wasn't, uh, given that sometimes one of the things that people complained about back in the day with the prequel movies was uh, too many nods, too many shared lines. Uh, but this had some as well. So uh, what grabbed you as you were watching? Well, so so there's the Anakin one of I have you now was kind of I liked hearing it. I I I don't I've never had too much of a problem with Anakin kind of having some catchphrases. You know, it's like us saying hubris. Like we 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 got some words and phrases we like. So I like that kind of stuff. The 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 bad feelings about this. Um, but I got to say, I didn't I didn't go down a list. And if you have a list, let's go to it. I I just I just wrote something that just I just said let's talk about Ilum. <laughs> yeah all right uh yeah i do i do have a, a list but it's almost all surface stuff but let's talk about ilum let's start there yeah so i i, I think a lot of us uh we we love ilum or the concept of ilum and and the gathering episodes and, and arc and clone wars is so good and then you know we spent uh, a lot of a lot of people speculating mandalorian they go to ilum and uh, fallen order we do go to ilum and it's so cool um and then to get that confirmation that Starkiller Base was Ilum, finally to get that after many thought that I just we're all obsessed in a lot in our own way with Ilum. I kind of overlooked that it it, it didn't debut here. It was uh, I think I looked I was trying to look it up. There's a a novel called Jedi Quest from like 2001, I believe, it was kind of the first place uh, a young like teenage Anakin has to go there with Obi Wan. Um, so that's kind of where the concept, but I, I, this is again, where I was like, you know, Ken, you better give this series credit because this is, this is pretty much ill. It, it's like, this is what you like about it. It's there. I love the kind of the design It's the introduction of crystals. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about crystals inside the Jedi weapons back then. And I forget that they do in this episode. They do in this Illumar. So I, I just like that this does set up uh, the Illum that we come to know and love later. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that um the way you're framing this that it, we could look at it now it's like yeah yeah they're Ilum, but like the power of seeing that and being able to kind of feel the the history of this storytelling in Star Wars right. that um there's a lot about crystals. We see the crystals. We see the crystals fall. We see this sacred ritual that happens here, this uh, sacred temple and that it is being um you know sort of a uh, not just attacked, but truly violated by Dooku, using his Jedi knowledge and sending, you know, mechanical droids. There's all this great, rich stuff, which uh, which really lines up with modern storytelling. Yeah. Uh, but if I recall correctly, it's just crystals, no kyber. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. 
it's just crystals. So you get this this mix of you you're seeing Ilum as as we know Ilum. Uh, the the entranceway doesn't look that much different. It's stylized yeah. and it's different, but but it's the same vibe. Um, and yet there's just like one little detail missing, you know. Yep. But I think what I really love back in the day is like, hey, I can't remember when I first heard. I think it was. I think somebody gave me a like the original Star Wars visual dictionary, or maybe I heard the uh, I, I'd heard about the crystal before that, you know, yeah. but anyway, the, uh, like that was one of the first times I remember started thinking about it. Cause the visual dictionary has the picture of it, you know, yes. and it has the little information that says like a, a Jedi needs to use the force, uh, has to use the force to, to insert the crystal. You can't put it in by hand, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I remember sitting down and seeing this one and just thinking, uh, I'm sure I did not listen to a word that Luminara was saying because I was so mesmerized by Barris using the force to bring all these things together. It was such a cool image. And yeah, yeah, full credit to really on screen, not just Ilum, but everything that Ilum represents of yeah. these these natural crystals that, you know, the this power isn't, you know, uh just coming from like we made a laser. It's it's coming from something organic and there's a sense of a uh, of history and even even uh, religion and certainly the sacred uh, to the Jedi's relationship with Ilum and their own lightsabers and the crystals and all of it. Yeah, and and you touched on something there. Just this, it, it may have come before again. Even Ilum itself was in this novel, and and uh, there may have been you know I know the Kyber crystal from uh, you know, Splinter of the Mind Eye, which is slightly different. But there's all this stuff. But I never stopped it, even after Attack of the Clones. I think it may be even because Attack of the Clones, where Anakin's just losing lightsabers left and right, and Obi Wan says it's pretty important, but there's no thought of crystals in the middle of that. You know, I just wasn't in my mind as a fan, and this was the first one that made me even open to that possibility that, Hey, you know, those spiritual warrior monks, even their weapons might be spiritual in some way. I never really stopped to think about that. And sometimes I need a good reminder or need a good launching point to explore things more deeper. And this did do that. Yeah. And I think that that speech from, from Luminara, uh, as much as it can sound like a, a Mad Lib, uh, it really yeah. does drive home that like, Oh, these aren't just the weapon that makes the most sense. These are full of symbolism. And I, I really like the power of that in this, in that episode. Totally. What, what's your list? I do want to hear your list. Yeah. Uh, so my, li uh, the first thing, which just uh, made me just thrilled because I forgot it was in there is a uh, Darth Sidious. He has his little hologram walker from yes. the Phantom Menace. Yes, I totally with forgot. the creepy crawly legs. I loved it. Love seeing that. Um, we lost Gold Leader. The clone says, "You know, that's yeah. always nice to hear a Gold Leader." Uh, the "I have you now" from Anakin, uh, followed very quickly by Anakin doing a spinning trick. Uh, oh yeah, and they don't actually have him say spinning. That's a good trick. But <laughs> I like they're already inviting you uh, to think about uh, Anakin's catalog of greatest hits. So. <laughs> I thought about the spinning line as he was spinning. Yeah. Obi-Wan uh, is a character who does say, I've got a bad feeling about this, a decent amount. Uh, and he says it here. Uh, there's a Wilhelm scream uh, at one point, uh, I believe during the ground pounding. And then uh, Padme also has a, I have a bad feeling about this. So those were just kind of the like, yep, uh, the the standard things. And it, it you know, it, it's so powerful because you even see it in the beginning of the, the 3D Clone Wars of for a long time, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this in Wilhelm scream. Those were like the two little secret nods. And now they're just, they're so well known <laughs> yeah. that they've been, they're being phased out of use. Right. Yeah. And when you hear them, it, it's just like, you know, they're, they're not a subtle little hint back in 2003. That would have been, you know, 
a relative. I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, people knew that by then, but the Wilhelm scream, mm-hmm. they still had some amount of subtlety. And if they popped up in a, in a modern thing, they'd be like screaming, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. I mean, the Wilhelm scream is always screaming. Um, and the, the last thing for me was just, uh, I think, again, thematically, uh, kind of the horror that Dirge represents really reminded me of, of the Drengear, you know? Of okay, yeah, that yeah. horror of something that uh, can't be defeated in the way that you think. You can't just chop it apart with a lightsaber. Um, in the kind of just technical problem that represents the Jedi, but more like how much that's going to force them to question, like, I go to hacking things apart with my lightsaber as a solution often, <laughs> yeah. and I can't now. Yep, I like that. Could, could Dirge just have larger legs? That's all I ask, man. Yeah, I mean, he he really should be able to, given what he can do with uh, his torso, man. If he can bulk up there, give him some legs. Apologize to all you Dirge fans. You hate me now, and I get it. I understand. Uh, I'm sure sure we have at least one follower whose uh, Twitter handle is like, uh, at Dirge's legs, and the legs of Dirge. That's it. We didn't. We will now. (laughs) Uh, So we are heading into uh, our final question. Uh, But before we get there, Ken, is is there any um, other sort of big picture thoughts uh, that you have on this first volume? Because we'll be discussing that second volume next week. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to volume two because that's some of the stuff that definitely stood out more in my mind over the years and and, and gets referenced a lot. And we talked about some of the stuff in those second episodes. But it was it was great uh, to to go back uh, again, we took to send some memories. We didn't use that uh, nearly enough, but just <laughs> I can remember uh, my roommates and friends at the time. And, and we didn't all gather around to watch, but I remember the couch. I remember the job I was stuck in. I remember uh, the clothes. I, was, I, I do remember this time. It was kind of like they just recently did the remastered version of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater version uh, game. Uh, one in, <laughs> and this is around the same era. And man, just a weird amount of specific feelings and emotions and days just i remember tuesday afternoons wanting more out of my life playing tony hunk and watching clone wars uh, micro series stuff so uh i love to go back but also again i'm being honest i i, I had to kind of check myself a little bit to be like don't be some hoity-toity theme warrior you know we we get it ken you 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 study star wars and have fun just watch this and engage with what's there engage with the time that it was presented and then you got to the Elam stuff, and I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that this was this is how I learned about Elam. So there you go. Good lesson for me. Yeah, yeah. I think a uh, similar journey for me, a uh, sense memory of uh, being in uh, that apartment in that specific little built-in uh, nook dining table that I had turned into an office, all the time I spent there when you know, all my friends that I was doing comedy with, almost all of them were nerds and, and we talked about uh, Star Wars, but a lot of them were like uh, prequels and this was not high on their list. A couple of them checked it out and and liked it and were like, all right, you know, uh, less uh, silly humor and more Jedi. Just, uh, you know, they were all down for the Mace Windu punching the B2 battle droids. Yeah, <laughs> that was a dream come true. But just remember being in in that space, just delighted to see uh, more of the galaxy far, far away and to see it in, in this specific way. And uh, I can almost uh, taste the, the pepperoni tombstone frozen pizza. I was no doubt eating yeah. Uh, yeah. while I was uh, watching this uh, 20 seconds at a time while it buffered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buffered. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, from the, from the modern perspective, I think what it's really making me appreciate is 
Um, yeah, uh, taking a big, big spoonful of our own medicine of mm-hmm. Star yeah. Wars is many things. And I think a lot of different parts of Star Wars have, you know, the, all these ingredients and, and you turn uh, the dial up and down on the level of ingredients. Yeah. And I feel like this series for me, it, it turns the dial down on, uh, on themes and ideas. They are there, but there's a real light touch. And what is turned up to 11 and possibly beyond is adventure serial is, you know, action, aesthetic, just visual poetry, just beautiful images that, you know, you know, maybe uh, they're just a beautiful image for beautiful images sake. Maybe they're a beautiful image that holds all of the idea, but it's really just uh, taking the part of Star Wars that you and I talk about. That's it looks and sounds cool. And really celebrating that and turning the dial down a little bit like the themes and the ideas are there. But uh, but it is for me more about this just uh, just uh, a delicious feast of uh, of visual excitement. Uh, A great example with the dial. Yeah. Uh, uh, And valuable, valuable experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So I ended up really, really enjoying this and I'm super excited to dig into volume two, as you're saying, because I think it's a little bit, uh, it it evolves a little bit. The episodes are longer and it tells this very specific story uh, with uh, Anakin, with Grievous, and I'm really, uh, really excited to dig in. But for now, here is uh, my final question for us for this episode, Ken. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you could see a new uh, three to five minute episode or a short arc of this version of Clone Wars, uh, what character or kind of story would you want to see? I, I went a lot of different directions, and, and I'm settling almost uh, on the fly here with the Battle of Exegol. But there's a lot of characters, a lot of things that we have headcanon on or references in the novel, or people even at Lucasfilm going, I don't know, maybe they're there. We haven't figured that out yet. So give me a little micro-series of, uh, you know, Jarek Yeager and Kaz and 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 Tordoza showing up the Battle of Exegol. Maybe we get the answer of nine. No, maybe we get a little bit more of that stuff. Maybe we are on the Colossus. Just seeing it in this style, so that way you could focus on the heroic moments. Uh, maybe a little more with Wedge, but the you know we already know the overall picture. You know, let's uh, focus in uh, on uh, the the beats and characters of, of the folks that rose up to defend the galaxy. Nice. I love it. I think that's a great pick. Uh, I, I was uh, I stayed a little bit more in the Clone Wars era. And, and here's the thing that, that I want. I want uh, one of my favorite Jedi, uh, old Terra Sanube. I want the story to be that he was out on a walk away from the Jedi Temple during Order 66. Yeah. And it starts really peaceful and calm. He's just going for a walk with his cane, which is a lightsaber cane. And then a clone sees him. One of these, uh, you know, they've been affected now by Order 66. So they're they're really scary. And then you just get an explosive action scene of Terrace Nube uh, using his lightsaber cane uh, and maybe even uh, hitting him, hitting him with his tail. <laughs> <laughs> Grabbing just a huge like mace window level. Grabs grabs the clone wars, uh, the, the uh, clone trooper uh, with his tail around the neck and throws him way over into the distance over a building in Coruscant. And, Terra Snube escapes Order sixty six in the style of a uh, of Gendi Tartakovsky. I love that. I could yeah. I could see that. <laughs> I'm going to be just sitting around yep. uh, this afternoon, Ken, hey. drinking a White Claw and picturing 
Terrace and Ube taking out clones. All right. Uh, next week, like we said, we'll be uh, we'll be talking volume two. Uh, really, really happy that Disney uh, has uh, put these on Disney Plus so that we can all look at them. Uh, some of us for the first time, some of us revisiting them and really uh, celebrate what is so awesome about the Clone Wars 2D vintage micro series ken uh, do you want to tell people where they can find us that's right on twitter uh, uh four center pod is where you can find us we're on instagram youtube as well facebook page is four center podcast podcast available on a lot of different spots including iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and amazon music and spotify merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash four center and you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center there if you can get into our discord where you can tell me to my face i'm wrong about dirge i'll accept it uh you can follow me at cadnapsock or go to my website cadnapsock.com also uh follow um, us over at the good people association at the gpa.fun you sir yeah you can follow me twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and you can check out my website uh, for comedy albums my other podcast obsessed all sorts of different stuff that website is josephscrimshot.com but for now for myself for ken for dirge's tiny legs this has been four center deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.